Hey, this is Kat McDonald. I'm here from TKM Photography, and you're listening to the SME Stories Podcast. You are now listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories Podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. Hey, everybody. Thanks for downloading the show. We got a great episode today with Kat McDonald. Kat McDonald is the co-owner of TKM Photography. So a little bit about Kat and, uh, and their company. So there are two things that they cannot get enough of, people and love. And those two things come together in TKM Photography. Now, both of them show up for their clients, and they aren't some canned, lifeless photos. They actually work really hard to create authentic and comfortable experiences that results in candid photos where the client's personalities can shine through. Their clients love looking at their photos for years to come. When they're not actually behind the camera, they're usually eating, gaming, both video and board games, but they also love volunteering. So I think it's going to be a great and fun episode today. So sit back and absorb. All right. We have Kat McDonald from TKM Photography. Kat, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Ken? Living the dream, as they say, and I have no idea what that means. And I, we're recording here in July, and for some reason, it's really hot outside that I have to actually keep my curtains closed and uh, want to stay in. So aside from that, I'm doing good. So Kat's ready to go. We have about 1.5 billion questions for photographers. <laughs> so she's going to stay on this podcast until she answers all 1.5 billion questions, correct? This is my life now. This is your life. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. So TKM Photography, what's your story? Story. So I've always been interested in photography. I started back in high school in the dark room. I was yearbook editor for two years. And actually, I felt really old last week. I was talking to one of my brides and she said like, oh, how long have you been doing photography? And I said, oh, way back when like dark room days. She's like, oh, what's a dark room? I'm like, oh no. I'm like, I'm wow. old now. We have to explain what a dark room is. <laughs> I'm like, have you seen Stranger Things? And that was the only way we got there. But um, anyways, yeah. So way back from high school and then it was a hobby, never made a career out of it. Um, that I would say around 2015, at this time, I've gotten married. My husband's also interested in photography, but same thing. It was a hobby. Um, so yeah, around 2015, we started taking on work for friends and family, doing weddings, doing portrait sessions, but just a side hustle to the rest of our life. He runs his contracting business. Um, and at the time I was freelancing, doing like virtual assisting and just some business administration. Um, and when the pandemic hit, we were kind of stuck and like everyone sitting around in periods of lockdown with not a lot to do. And we said, you know what? I think it's time. It's something we'd always been passionate about and never really had the time to make it official. Um, it was, yeah, a side hustle. It was side income. Um, but that was our decision to smartly jump into the wedding industry in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> when weddings were being canceled almost, right? Because they wouldn't allow, there was like size restrictions on people you can bring in and all that sort of stuff. So Interesting so we, how you start. Yeah. Uh, words to the wise, don't do that. Just kidding. It was actually really successful. We'd already had a few weddings booked and a few portrait sessions booked throughout 2020. Um, again, just kind of as a side hustle. But that's when we really took the time to take a look at the business side of things and, you know, just get all our ducks in a row and really start taking our marketing more seriously. And yeah, we booked up for 2021 and we're booked up pretty much till Christmas of this year. and half booked for next year so it's been it's been great it's 
something we always loved, but never really took the time to turn into something that was a true business. Interesting. Interesting. So it came out of just a necessity because you were just there hanging out. I think a lot of businesses started that way. And and same with this podcast. I wasn't, and to my listeners may may not know this, I wasn't planning on starting a podcast. Seriously. It was just something that I was testing mobile websites and and mobile apps. And I bought all this equipment. You just can't see this, but I bought all this equipment just because when I'm recording it, I wanted to have a good quality for it. And then I thought, okay, what else could I possibly do with this stuff? And then someone, and then I thought about podcasting. About what exactly? So then I started hearing all the stories, watching the government shutdowns, all these different things. And they talked about businesses being, go, you know, going under. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe we should actually have a podcast that's dedicated to the stories of those owners. I mean, I don't, I don't need some, now don't get me wrong. If Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg wants to be on the podcast, <laughs> I'm okay with that, but I think allow I'll allow it. But for the most part, I want to hear from, you know, us regular people that started our own companies and, you know, going through the ups and downs and, you know, cause they, they talk about the gig economy, right? And that's what basically a lot of people started. Like the Uber stuff started going, becoming very popular, Uber Eats, and especially when the delivery for food was really popular. Amazon was just making a lot of money. And I think you could actually say, I know you, you can apply to be an Amazon driver in Canada. I don't know how it works exactly in terms of how what's the compensation model like, but some people are doing more stuff like that. And I'll tell you one thing too, Kat. I've literally seen on Facebook Marketplace where people will offer to be your driver for the day. Wow. Yeah. So they'll. it's almost like they're bypassing Uber and Lyft and they're just saying, you know what? I got a car. I can drive you guys for the day. And it's like, I don't know how many dollars per kilometer or... You know, if it's just a flat fee, it's like if you just need a, if you need a driver for the day, you know, what is 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever, I'll, I'll do it. I'll drive you anywhere. I'll stay where you want me to stay and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I find people becoming very creative during this whole pandemic thing. So sorry, back to back to TKM here. So what made you guys really successful? Because like you said, you're fully booked. You were fully booked 2021. And I think you're fully booked 2022. And you just started and you're half booked for 2023. So what are the what are the secrets to your success? What's in the secret sauce? Um, I've always been a huge advocate of customer service. Um, I think that customer experience is everything. And I think that's what makes a difference. Because I wouldn't say I, I'm going to brag a little bit. I think I'm a great photographer. But I think that there's a lot of great photographers. I think you can throw a stone pretty much and hit a great photographer in the GTA. It's a pretty saturated market. But I think that when you treat your people like people, that's what makes the difference. And all the way through our marketing, we try to be real people. And we try to show up on our stories as real people and try to have those commonalities with our clients and find that common ground. And I think a lot of people are uncomfortable. I shouldn't say I think. I know a lot of people are uncomfortable in front of a camera. Um, I'm a photographer and I'm here staring at my face on Zoom talking to you, Ken, and I'm like internally cringing. Like most people don't love having their photo taken, love being on video. Um, So we work really, really hard to make people comfortable and make it an enjoyable experience and not just a chore because my wife wants photos of our family or it's a wedding. Everybody gets photography and we should get photography. We try to make it holistic, authentic, comfortable so that 
when you look at those photos, it's like, yeah, that's what I look like. I'm not this Chandler from Friends smile or <laughs> like the opera, like, oh my gosh, smile. Like we were really, really trying. And I think that differentiates us. Um, most people reach out to me and in their, um, like, uh, their, I have a questionnaire that all my new clients fill out. And I always, in each one, I ask, like, what drew you to us? Why did you pick us? And nine times out of 10, they said, your photos look authentic. Your photos show true emotion. Your photos tell a story. And I think that's, and you don't get that by treating every customer as a number. You get that by really getting to know your clients. And it does take more work to do that, but proof's in the pudding. Like, it works. Yeah, I think that's a great point because I think, and I mentioned this on a previous episode, that I think a lot of owners, they really try to land that sale right away. Right. And maybe the potential prospect is not ready to buy yet. Maybe they're just inquiring about something, but they're already pushing, okay, it's going to cost this much. And, you know, I can, uh, my calendar is wide open. I can come in tomorrow and, f- and do your what, you know, all those things where, you know, your, your information overloading the people. Cause especially for, especially for weddings, it's a very stressful time that, you know, the couple is going through. Right. So to try and, you know, you know, beat them down to say, yeah, we, we could definitely do it. I can have three other photographers with me. We're going to take every picture. We'll take a million photos. It's going to be a great store. We're, you're not going to miss anything. And they're just trying to figure out, okay, where am I going to find a venue? What, what's, what, what's my DJ going to look like? How's the music going to sound? Where, or the worst or the most stressful that I find is, okay, is who, what's the seating chart going to be like? Because this family friend doesn't get along with this family friend. and who d- So there's all this stuff going on and you're trying to shove rates down their throats as opposed to just talking to them like a regular person and nurturing that relationship. Because yeah. maybe they do go with you. Maybe they don't go with you. But at least even if they don't go with you, maybe because of scheduling or maybe the, the rate's too high, they can refer you to other people because of the positive interaction they had with you. So I think that's a very important thing to to really think about that. So, and you like that. I liked what you said is about authentic and it looks like a lot of emotions. Now looking on the website, and I think what's great about yours too is that you actually put I think yourself and your family on it as well, right? Mm-hmm. Not just not just the, the portfolio of clients and stuff. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about myself really quickly. Is that I'm developing a website right now for my company. The first thing I did was to find pictures of my family that we're going to put in there. And to some small business, it's like, well, why? Right. Cause maybe they want a small business that's more like corporate and then it's just the company logo and some stock photos of stuff. But I said, no, I like to work with people where I can see them. And that's why Kat and I are there. We're looking each other right in the face. Right. And for a lot of people, and I remember the email I sent you, Kat, can you please send me a cover shot? And I've had some guests say, Oh, okay. I can send you my corporate logo. No, <laughs> I want a picture of you. Because I want my listeners to hear and see the face behind the name, right? So I think that's very important. So that's interesting you really talked about that. And so what is it about? So you do weddings, you do family portraits. So was I think for some photographers, they feel like they have to do everything. So are you just focused on those two or are you looking to branch out? Uh, so definitely weddings and portraits. I'm drawn to emotion. I'm drawn to love. I love my dog. I don't want to take a picture of my dog necessarily like of course cute little stamps but like pet photography anything more static I'm not interested in corporate headshots like I love the movement and the emotion and and I see like that's where my strong point is um we've actually started branching off a little bit into branding photography but not your typical branding photography so we started with I know you've interviewed Tony from Full Scoop 
um, and their corporate mantra is beyond vanilla. It's not that cookie cutter corporate marketing. Um, so when they reached out to us to do their brand photos, they said, we want you because you're not cookie cutter, because it's going to have emotion and ceiling and really give their clients a feel for what they are like as individuals and as a business. Um, so they were an awesome experience and I would move into that, but I would be a lot more choosy with our branding clients just because we're not looking to do that white brick wall at Primo Studios in Toronto. Like it, we want something different for our branding clients and not just that static, boring, looking a little bit to the left headshot that everyone's looking for. Who doesn't want an accounting software company where they're, all their walls are white brick and they're all turning like this? Come on, right? And it's funny, like you said earlier, like building your website, when I'm buying a product or I'm looking for a new service, the first thing I do is go to the About Me page because I want to know who is the person behind this business because you can have the best offerings in the world, but ultimately for small business owners like us, you are your business. Like if I don't like you as a person, I'm probably not going to want to hire you as a business. So as far as moving into branding photos, um, we want people to click on that about me page and have that picture speak a thousand words and attract their ideal clients and maybe repel their unideal clients just with that photo. Yeah. And I think what's the point there is that you don't have to be the be all to everybody. You don't want everybody, right? I think we, that... No, we don't. We don't. I think some people they feel... Don't want us. Yeah, some, like, I don't get it. Some people feel like I have to attract everybody. Why? Why do you have to attract everyone? Because especially for a service like yourself, self, uh, Kat, it's you guys. Can you imagine trying to do multiple weddings in a day? No. No. I don't even multiple weddings in a weekend. Exactly. <laughs> Right. And if you have all these people that are there and some of them are going to try to lowball you, some of them are going to try to ask for extras that you generally don't offer. So and it's like, well, no, we you want to try to focus on your ideal clients and target that. You know, yeah. if someone who's not your typical client decides to buy your service for whatever, OK, but I'm not going to try to target them because when you start reaching for everybody, you're not going to make everybody happy. So focus on the ones that you know you, you're, you're bread and butter. Anybody happy. Exactly. You're not going to be happy because you're not going to enjoy that project. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, Ken, they paid me another 10 grand, but it's another corporate headshot thing. Oh, I don't like it kind of thing. Versus, you know, enjoying the moment, capturing those memories, especially as to me, like I mentioned before, weddings are very stressful because you got to catch the right moment at the right time, you know, for certain things, obviously, yeah, okay, stand here, you know, look over there, smile. And, you know, because there's some photos I looked at when I looked at our wedding, you know, where I'm like, okay, I'm here and my chin's turned over here. And that was, that was like two different photos, but I was like, wow, we need a lot of that. But then a lot of the best ones are the, the candidates where you're, you're not even noticing someone's looking at you and snapping that photo. Yeah, we've had a lot of couples come back to us and say, if it's a candid photo of them, they're like, I forgot that happened until I saw that photo. Because we're delivering months after the wedding. So they're stretching. They're like, oh, I forgot about that. Or if it's a moment between their guests. Um, a, a wedding we shot last summer, we caught a moment between the father of the groom and the father of the bride. And it was adorable. And the bride and groom said, like, it's one of our favorite photos because we didn't see that happen. And so as soon as we saw it, it was like they called their parents. They were like, what was happening in this photo? And they got the whole story. And they're like, that was a memory you created for us. 
We didn't have that until we got your photos. So those, to me, those matter. Yeah, exactly. And I'll make one last before we move on here. So my my cousin's husband, he's also a photographer. But what he does is obviously he does like a lot of the different things. And usually when he comes to a lot of family and friends parties that we attend, you know, he he brings his camera. And uh, the thing is, he's like, we were on a cruise, I think, a few months, like, like uh, I think, a couple months ago. And we were just chatting and, and stuff like that. And he's like, can you know I take photos, right? I said, yeah. Do you know I never show anybody the photos? <laughs> I said, you don't? Because yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm going to his Facebook. I'm going to his Instagram. I'm like, yeah. He was at these these parties. We were all hanging out, but I don't see any of them. He says he wants to maintain that emotion so that when he does show it, it's like you just said. There's that that, oh, my God. I totally forgot about that kind of thing. Because he's like, if I took a photo and showed it to you at that moment in time, it's not going to have the same impact. No. Right? So that, that that's very interesting that you have here. So interesting. So now we talked about you you guys saying you're already growing, you're already pre-booked. So what are the future plans? I know you talked about a little bit about branding. Are you going to start maybe bringing on more people? Are you going to expand your practice that you have right now? I don't know. I'm... A control freak. Uh, ask my husband. <laughs> <laughs> and there are certain things that I am willing to let go and I am willing to outsource. Uh, and there are certain things I'm not. And I just don't know. And maybe this is ego talking, but I feel like we have a particular style I've never found. I'm the hardest time finding a photographer for our own photos. Because I'm like, oh, well, what if I want, like, I want to clone myself and take photos of my family. <laughs> <laughs> So I find it would have to be really well thought out if we brought anybody else on board because I would want them to have the same standard and the same principles and values that we have because I feel like that does come through in your photos. Um, yeah, so as far as taking on associates, it's hard. It's not a plan right now. Uh, maybe maybe taking on some co-op students who may be interested so you can kind of <laughs> teach them the ropes, maybe. But- That's great. Because it's hard to take, like you said, a professional photographer that has a different style than what yeah. you prefer. Now, like you said, it might. we're not saying you say no to the idea of anybody because you never know. You might catch that one photographer that has a different style, but it gives you a different view on something that you might be like, oh, I like yeah. that. Maybe. Or uh, are you guys ever going to do an actual physical space, like have your actual dedicated studio for that, for maybe people coming inside? Or you prefer the mobility of going to these events and leaving the house behind and stuff like that? Yeah, as far as the studio, that's something we have thought about. And there are certain locations that we shoot um, often every year. And like, there's a lavender farm, great, uh, farm Gray Silo Lavender, just uh, uh, west of Fort Perry. And it's beautiful. And we love shooting there. Our clients love going there. But when I'm shot there, like they're lavender season right now. So I've been there, like I practically live with that family. <laughs> <laughs> But by the end of lavender season, like line creative, this little creative person in me is like, I need something new. Like I need to be in a new space. I need new ideas. Like I need to create something different. Because when you're shooting at the same place, for me, all the time, you you fall into a rut of shooting the same things. And I feel like that can be a disservice to your clients because you're not shooting for them. You're shooting for the space. Yeah. So you're shooting I there. About it and I just feel like, I don't think it, I think it would actually be a disservice. I would sooner rent studio space and rent various studio spaces for different clients based on their needs versus trying to fit them into one space. That's a good picture. That's an interesting perspective. Very nice to hear. So, okay. So let's talk about social media. Now, this is not a social media podcast, but how important is social media to you? 
uh, right now? I know you guys have your Facebooks, your Instagrams, your Pinterests and stuff like that. So how much effort do you put into that uh, versus, you know, just making sure that your site is just updated with the updated photos and stuff like that? Um, Instagram is probably the platform we use the most to your listeners. Please don't go on my Pinterest. It is embarrassing. <laughs> um, I'm actually on a call with Tony from Full Skip tomorrow to uh, do some Pinterest planning. But um, yeah, Instagram for sure is our definitely our most used platform. Um, we find we do get clients from Instagram, but more than anything, I feel like especially with photographers, people, your clients go to your Instagram to make sure that you're active. To meet, to see your work a little bit more, to see how people are commenting, um, even if they're not signing us necessarily through Instagram, which some do. But um, I find Instagram is where we'll share to more of our personal life, and so our clients can get to know us as people. And like I mentioned, that's important, but especially for wedding photography, I'm with you your entire wedding day. Like you're probably spending more time with me than you are your spouse on your wedding day. So I think it's really important that you like me. <laughs> you want to spend that much time with me. And I try to be as unintrusive as possible during a wedding day, but you're going to be, you're there. Yeah. So you want them to feel comfortable with you. You want them to like you. And I find that a lot of our couples will say like, when I meet them for the first time at their engagement photos, they're like, we feel like we know you already from Instagram. And like that takes off a layer of awkward right there. For them, like they're already feeling, even though we haven't spent time in person together, they're already feeling like we're friends because I'll share personal things on Instagram. You have a small business story to share. The SME Stories podcast is looking for entrepreneurs to share their tales of success, failure, and everything. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or know someone will be a great fit, please contact us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. That's northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. No, it's good to hear. And sorry, and, and just so I know, understand too, listeners know. So, is it a two-person shoot generally when you guys are there? Is it like you're doing it, or and your husband are doing it as well, or is it just you? So Taylor, my husband Taylor, uh, he shoots most of our weddings together. We like to. We're huge advocates of having two shooters at a wedding um, to be able to tell that full story. That's where all about storytelling um, and portrait sessions. It depends on the amount. I find if there's little kids it can almost be worse to have two people there because they're distracted they're overwhelmed they might some kids find the camera a little scary so adding a second camera in it's almost worse so we kind of play it depending on the session um we did a 31 person extended family session about a month ago and this family was awesome and they were insane in the best way possible and having two people there was key like uh, for sure so we play it depending on the shoot but yeah no it, it makes sense and, and I just, I'm, I'm talking about this reminds me of when we got married back in 2009 our photographer she was really good i think she had another guest i think she had another one there but the funny part was you know we're walking down the aisle i'm already at the front and uh i guess you know we have a wedding planner who's kind of guiding timing everybody out the photographer was asking the wedding planner can you hold it for a sec i just gotta add a battery to my camera She's, she's, you can see it now. She's dreading this right now, guys. You can see her face. And the wedding planner just calmly looks at her and like, no, <laughs> very professional. No, because we're on a, we're on a time. So, you know, it's one of those things. And, uh, and I loved our videographer, but there was one moment that, uh, are you familiar with the money dance in a Filipino wedding? 
No. So the money dance is very simple. I mean, I think every culture should have a money dance, to be honest. <laughs> so what it, it basically is, is that, you know, when the bride and groom are, you know, they're doing their dance, people will take out some spare cash. They'll have pins and they'll just pin it on the dress or the uh, the tuxedo. They'll make a money crown and everything like that. So again, it's, it's kind of like a good luck for the husband and, and, and uh, sorry, for the bride to be, sorry, for the couple, right? So they're dancing. And one of my coworkers at the time, you know, because there was always a lineup to dance with my wife. No one wanted to dance with me, right? So <laughs> he was like, screw this. And then me and him were slow dancing the entire time. But our videographer did not catch that. Also ran out of battery at that moment in time. I remember it here, but I was like, man, it would have been great to either. Some, and then the photographer didn't catch it either. So I was like, oh, if only the videographer photographer caught that moment, I'll just, I'll never forget it. So anyways, yeah. So you cringe when someone had to change their battery. <laughs> yeah, I'm a dorky photographer. I have a fanny pack filled with memory cards and batteries on me all day for every wedding. And yeah, before anything, like any change in anything, it's like new memory card, new battery. Just get it done. How many memory cards and batteries do you keep on you on a shoot? Uh, for a wedding, for a full day wedding, I probably go through about six, but I always keep about 12 on me. <laughs> Never run out of ammunition. Love it. I'm a worst case scenario planner, always. <laughs> no, that, that's great. That's great. So, all right, let's just talk about tips and let's talk about the industry itself. Then, so now that we're current, now we're here. We're in summer 2022. What is your opinion of the current state of the photography industry, and what direction do you think it's going? It's so varied. I find that. This isn't anything recent, but since the introduction of digital, I think a lot of people coin themselves as professional photographers um, because it can be e easy <laughs> to do. Um, and I think that that is a challenge for the industry, both in price point that people offer and also in just experience and product. Um, like if I, as a consumer, didn't really have any knowledge of photography and I hired someone thinking like, oh, they're a pro whatever, good Google reviews. And then I had a terrible experience or I got poor product or both. It would turn me off. The amount of people we have come to us say, I've had professional photographers do my photos before. This is where I was terrible. And it's like, you never want to say to them, did you really have a professional photographer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're an idiot. You didn't hire properly, right? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it's, it's uh, consumers have to be more savvy to weed through who is a true pro and that is going to cost you more, but spending money on poor photos or an experience that skews your view of your photos, that's right there. You've just wasted your money. Yeah. You made it paid less, but you're, it's a waste. So I think there's a lot of unsustainable pricing models out there that a lot of photographers are because it's relatively easy to get into, well, it's expensive to get into, but if someone who's got a nice tear was like, oh, I'm going to make a business out of this. Sure, I'll charge you 100 bucks for a portrait session. Like, that's not sustainable. <laughs> if you really crunch your numbers, you are going to be losing money very quickly. Um, so I think that that's a tough thing in the photography industry, just encouraging the industry as a whole to have more sustainable pricing that also still serves your clients and is accessible to people. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I don't think a lot of people view photography for what it is. It's a luxury service. It 
I wish it was accessible to everyone at every price point, but it is a luxury service. You don't need photography. You want it. I think everyone should have it, but it's not food. It's not clothing. It's not shelter. So pricing it as what it is, I think is a huge issue in the industry. It's almost like a race to the bottom, I find, right? Because it's true. Like I have, I have a really old D- digital, sorry, digital SLR camera. I bought it for my wife. It was like a Canon Rebel T3 or something. So it's really old, right? Yeah. The maximum resolution, I think, on that, like from a video perspective, because I thought about using it as a video camera, was like 720. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> Everything now was like 1080 and 4K, and in some cases, even higher than that, 8K. And I'm like, yep. could I even use this camera for for uh, for it? Now, my wife now uses more, mainly her iPhone. Mrs. K uses her iPhone a lot. But I'm like, well, I'm not throwing this camera out, so I'm trying to figure out. Now, I have no photography skills whatsoever. I was always a point-and-shoot guy, and usually my finger was always blocking the flash <laughs> or the viewer. So that's why usually when I'm with my family and let's say my wife's like, hey, let, let's take a selfie. She'll ask, she'll ask a stranger to take the photo as opposed to giving it to me. I'm sure you have other great qualities and skills, Ken. <laughs> just not picturing. That's not photography. But that's why I'm, you know, I'm YouTubing stuff. I'm like, okay, shutter speed, white balance stuff. I still can't explain it. And I'm like, all right, I guess I can try to figure stuff out. So it's like, yeah, it's not, it, it seems easy that you could just buy any camera and you can do it, but it's a different type of skill set that's like, it's not just point and clicking all these different things and making them turn their face or whatever. No, it's, there's certain, there's a method behind the madness. And I think that's what people said. And, and like I said, this can just tap into our next part. So what is it that, what are the most common misconceptions of your industry that you find when you speak to prospects or actual clients themselves? Uh, ooh, that's a hard one. Aside from them trying to lowball you on price because they'll say, oh, well, you know, this other person down the street out of their van says they can do our wedding photos for 50 bucks and, and a sub green sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I don't have a ton of lowballers. That's good. Uh, I think I don't know what I'm doing right. <laughs> That's resulting in that. <laughs> but when people come, they're generally prepared. And I think in our marketing, we try to be transparent and we try to really show our value. So I think by the time people get to the point where they're having a conversation with me about pricing, they already have the mindset of like, okay, this isn't going to be the guy working out of his stand. Yeah. And well, the thing is too, like if I'm going to post it in the show notes, but if people go to your website, you actually list what your price is. So it's not like it's super or what, what the general range could be, which is good. So it's, so you're not, which I know it's frowned upon in a lot of the industry, like, don't list your starting point. It makes you seem less luxury and don't do this. Like, I'm someone who, if you're not listing even a general amount, like just average or starting point, I will not contact you. Yeah. And that's the kind of consumer I am. Like, I want to have an idea before I waste my limited time reaching out to you. So I just think it's respectful to my future clients. Yeah. I mean, I'm now we're not saying, what's your price range? Well, $1 to (laughs) $50,000, obviously something a little bit more, you know, if you have tiered pricing where it's like, okay, tier one is this, you get like the basic service, but you get all this sort of stuff and all the tier three stuff and here's all the bells and whistles. So at least, and you can put ranges, right? Because it'll depend. You can strike from different things. And that's the the good thing about your service that you can mix and match certain things for what you want. And we do try to do that for our clients, like especially for weddings, we try to create a package personalized to them 
because every wedding is different and every couple is different. So the things that people value are going to be different case by case. So just saying like your collection A, B, or C, it's like, well, people don't fit into three categories in general. Like, so we like to try to create a custom package that the client is getting exactly what they want and what they need. Uh, and we do educate them on that. Like a lot of people come to us are like, we don't need an engagement session. We don't care about an engagement session. And I'm like, well, you kind of do need an engagement session. They're like, nah. And I was like, how comfortable are you in front of the camera? They're like, oh, I hate being in front of the camera. It's the worst thing in the world. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, the biggest reason we encourage people to have an engagement session is because it gets them comfortable with us and our process. And it gets them comfortable being in front of our camera. Yeah. Because you've been in front of another camera before. It's not going to be the same experience as us. We really try to make it fun. We try to make it natural. And we've had so many clients who were like, we don't need an engagement session. Yeah. And getting one. And after they're like, that was awesome. I am so much less stressed about my Yeah, because some people might think of it as, oh, they're trying to upsell me on this stuff. They're already, the wedding thing is already there and we'll do it. But no, like what you just said, it's so they can get comfortable with you, right? And the cameras you're going to be using. There's enough things to stress about on your wedding day. If you can take that off your mental plate, that's huge. Now it's time for tips from the pro. Absolutely. Excellent. So, all right, we're going to hit in our tips from the pro segment here. So this is now someone who's, they want to start their own business like you are and similar things. So now we're asking very specific questions from the pro, which is obviously Kat. So question number one, I'll make this too broad, but I know it's going to, you're going to have a preference on this. <laughs> How many cameras should I start with? If you're planning on shooting any wedding, you must have at least two cameras. Because if you get an hour, two hours, three hours into your day and one of your cameras stop working, you're screwed. Really? That's and happened, eh? Those cameras, not to us. Okay. But it has happened to many people. And each of those cameras must have two card slots. That's double recording every image because cards fail. Mm. A brand new card can fail. And if you don't have a backup, imagine yourself when you're sitting here thinking like, oh, I don't need it. Take yourself down the road of telling the bride, hey, I don't have a camera with two card slots. I lost half your and, and you whip out your iPhone for the rest of the wedding. Hey, do you need an error-free website? Do you need transcription that's accurate and on time? Would you like to remove noise from your video or audio recording? Do you need a spokesperson for your business? If so, we can help. At Northway Capital Group, we are happy to announce that we are now providing website testing services, audio transcriptions, and audio cleanup, as well as spokesperson services. We would love to help you on your next project. Contact us for more information at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Honestly, what do you do? Like, we go to each wedding, and I know this is overkill, like, story of my life as you're starting to <laughs> realize. Like, we go to each wedding with six cameras. Wow. Six. Because we shoot double bodies and then we have a backup each. What's a double body? Sorry, like we'll shoot two cameras at the same time. Oh, okay. A lot of parts of the day I'll have, like, we wear these harnesses. They're super cool. They're not. Look <laughs> ridiculous, but they uh, allow us to shoot with two different focal lengths so that we'll have, like, more of a zoom lens and more of a wide angle so that when those moments happen quick, you don't have to be like, oh, I'm too far away or I'm way too close. I'm getting this part of the bride's face because I have the wrong lens on for that moment. Like, it gives you a lot of flexibility, so you're missing one. Excellent. Hey, you, do you need a voiceover? Well, look no farther. Northway Capital Group has your answer. Commercials and explainer videos, AVR, and voicemail, health and wellness. 
corporate training and e-learning announcements, documentaries, and biography. Contact us on social media or email us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Okay, and your preferred brand, Sony, Canon, Nikon, which one do you prefer? Your Canon? Yeah, no complaints. Uh, We're in their mirrorless system and we stink and love it. And so... Okay, so that, that brings me to a question there. So there's mirrors, there's the DSLRs and the mirrorless. What what would make the most sense for a wedding? Could both be used? Is one you find more efficient than the other? Either can be used. I think it's like, it's like you're going from a DVD to a Blu-ray. Like one is slowly going to phase out. So mirrorless is slowly overtaking. I think last week Nikon announced that they're no longer supporting DS. But not that they're no longer supporting, they're discontinuing their DSLR lines completely. So it's the future. Um, if you're going to be buying new cameras, you might as well go mirrorless. And it is, in my opinion, better. What's a DVD? <laughs> <laughs> in 10 years, you're going to be explaining to your kids what a DSLR is. And they're yeah. going to be like, what? Yeah, and a Blu-ray player, that's even gone now, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm taking, I'm seeing the thing is, I'm using my camera right now, my Canon T3 Rebel. It's like, you know, from 20, what, 12 or 2013 that I got it from? I'm using it to take photos of my DVD boxes that I'm going to be trying to sell on Facebook Marketplace <laughs> just because I'm like, all right, might as well use it for something, right? So maybe it's more like DVDs to streaming. There we go. DVDs to streaming. Exactly. <laughs> I can't imagine what would change after streaming. But anyways, aside from that there. Yeah. So what is, how many different type of lenses do you need and what's your go-to lens? Um, so I think a lot of that is personal preference. Um, I know a ton of wedding photographers will shoot double body with like a 24 to 70 on one and a set that's a your focal length and a 70 to 200 on the other. Um, personally, I like prime lenses, which means you can't zoom. It, it is what it is. And I think they produce a better quality photo marginally, like your clients would never notice, but I'll notice. <laughs> and I just find my creativity shines the most when I have restrictions. So if I can stand in one spot and zoom in, zoom out, I might not play around with my compositions as much. Whereas when I'm forced to move my seat and I'm forced to move around and really think about like, what am I shooting right now? I find that's when I get my best photos. So having restrictions actually opens things up for me personally. But that said, Taylor's favorite lens is the 70 to 200 me squares by it. So. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> So is there any accessory that I should be getting that uh, would be very important to the business? Now, we can, we've talked about lenses. We've talked about cameras. If you had to pick the next thing you would invest in next, as I say, a new person trying to get into this, what would be that next accessory they should be getting? Um, so I'll give you a couple. So for actual- Nope, I only need one. No, I'm kidding. Of course, you could give me two. <laughs> for actual shooting, um, I think something super important to get into is off-camera flash so you're going to want to invest in a flash and a receiver um just because you you're not always going to have natural light especially if you're shooting weddings lighting changes constantly so if you can only shoot on natural light and you're in a venue and they shut the lights off for the first dance what are you going to do so you have to be prepared you have to have reliable flashes and know how to use them i would say for sure um, if you're just doing outdoor portraits, less important because um, you have a lot more control. But on a wedding, you, I think something that's good for me as a control freak is on a wedding, you have no control. <laughs> and I think that that's, you just got to ride with whatever's going on, roll with the punches and make it work. And I think and, I, 
And like I mentioned about my wedding, make sure you have enough batteries. That's all. Oh my goodness. You were stressing out on that, on that one for some reason. We did shoot a wedding this year and the videographer ran out of batteries. And I ended up giving him one of my extra bodies. See, it's a good reason to have six. I gave him one of my extra bodies and he just put his card in it. And I was like, you got to keep going, man. Yeah. Exactly. So what type of niche do you think a new photographer should get into? Right. So like we talked about it a bit, like you guys focused on like weddings and portraits and stuff like that. But is there any other smaller niches maybe? Because I guess when some people think of it, they think, oh, my God, the big bridezilla weddings or these or these uh, some of these other ones are like all oh, these cover model things where they're cameras all over the place. But if you're starting off, is there a smaller niche that maybe could be very profitable when you first start? I think a lot of like, I think COVID has really launched people into moving towards elopements and like micro weddings. So I think depending on your personality, depending on what you like, that could be a good niche to get into. Um, I'm an extrovert. I like the huge party. I love the chaos. I love the uncertainty of what's going to happen. Um, and to be honest, we've shot a few micro weddings through COVID and they were great, but I just don't get the same adrenaline pump as I do from like a huge wedding with people everyone's dancing and but that can be a really good niche for people if they're wanting to get into something um and it's good practice too because typically they're not your 10 12 hour day and they're going to be in more like often they're outdoors or often they're more like adventure settings so you're going to be using natural lights if you haven't quite mastered your off-camera flash that could be a good place to start because you can have the wedding experience without needing the entire skill set, I guess. Interesting. Of like a more traditional wedding photographer. All right. What is the most, okay, well, well, how do I, I'm going to try to word this correctly. What is your favorite and least favorite shot that you have to do for, let's say, an event, whether it's a wedding or a portrait? Favorite is the, is when there's stuff going on and nobody, not nobody knows where I am, but I don't need to be anywhere specific. So not the ceremony, not the first dance, like when just the party's happening. Those are my favorites because I can seek out what's drawing my eye artistically um, and it's less pressure and you can just really let your creative juices flowing. So dance floor, any part of the day, getting ready where things are just sort of happening and I, and I can document it as it happens. Instead of it being like formal trips, formal family. Least favorite is definitely formal family. Um, artistically, artistically, they're boring um, because you, no one ever schedules enough time. So you really just have them standing in line with a nice background. But logistically, someone's always in for smoke. Someone's always at the bar and you're trying to wrangle the family like, go get Uncle Bob, like dress them, go to the bathroom. So it ends up logistically, yeah, family photos are definitely my least favorite. But we try to work with our couples to make the, because they're our couples' least favorite too. Like everyone dreads the family photos. Oh yeah, who do you who do you invite on there? Who I'm trying to find them. And, you know, the photographer's like, just, just, we're waiting, we're waiting. And there could be like a lot of cool stuff happening over here that I could be shooting and yeah. stuff like that. So last question on... Them, yeah. Last question on this segment here. So what is your best advice for new ones dealing with, I guess, difficult clients? I think that you need to be really upfront with your client. I think the issue that a lot of new photographers get into is that they're so hungry for work. They kind of just say yes to everything or <clears throat> they don't disclose everything. Um, so I think when you're really upfront with your clients, like with our wedding clients, we're documentary wedding photographers. So while you will still have your family formals, you'll have portrait. We try to explain to our clients, like, 
we don't want you posing through your whole day. Like, okay, now pretend that the makeup artist is doing my makeup. And pretend like I'm getting the hair curled. It's like, why don't I just take photos of you actually getting your makeup done and actually getting your hair curled? Because that's going to make for a better photo. And it's going to be a memory, a true memory, not a contrived memory. So I try to be really, really upfront with my clients. Like, this is what we do. This is what we're like. Here's a full gallery of our last wedding or whatever. Because the more upfront you are with your clients and the more you communicate with them, the less opportunity there is for misunderstandings and disagreements later on. No, that's great. Great advice. So I think I'm, I'm going to tack on one other question. So what is the industry standard for collecting your revenue from it? So is it something, do we take a percentage up front? Do we pay all up front? I'm sure photographers would, a lot of businesses would love to take everything up front. Because sometimes, like like you said, I think for a lot of some people, they're just in it because they love what, what it is, whether it's photography. Or in my case, when I used to be a personal trainer, my goal was always, I just want to help people. I mean, all that money stuff afterwards, sometimes the worst personal, sometimes the best trainers are also the worst business people because yeah. they say, okay, it's going to cost you $100 a session. Oh, I can't afford that. Okay. How about five? <laughs> right. So what is how the free in my garage? Yeah. I'm free in my garage. So, but for what advice would you give for, to someone who wants to get into like, how, what should their, not the price per se, but how should they be collecting the fees? So. I can't speak for anything but what we've done, which has been successful. Um, we take a $1,000 deposit up front regardless of what package they pick because we feel like it's a small enough number that it gets them in the door, but it's a big enough number that it would hurt to walk away from because it's non-refundable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I work with each client. Like We've had clients who booked us two years in advance and they want to pay once a month. So break down the balance over 24 months. and then. If people don't repair, we usually take half of the balance at the midway point and half a month before. But regardless, they need to be paid a full month before the wedding. All right. Good to hear. Good to hear. All right. We're going to have more of the lighthearted, fun stuff now, as opposed to all this serious photography stuff that we've been talking about with running out of batteries and having like at least 20 cameras that you should have on your on your pocket. Now it's time for the rapid fire round. So we're in the rapid fire now, rapid fire fun now. So, all right, are you ready? We'll see how long we can actually ask this and see how long it'll take to answer. Okay, question number one is about food. If there was a sandwich named after you, what would be in it and what would you call it? It would probably be called the heart attack. And during COVID, Taylor, Taylor, my husband was a huge crunk. He's phenomenal. He really, really got into it during COVID. And he made me this hamburger. I swear to God, it was like a pound of beef wrapped in maple, thick sliced maple bacon. And then it had like super old cheddar cheese on top because we love cheese. Like this really aged cheese on top. And then with like red onions and he made me like an aioli. And it was delicious. I felt like crap for like two days after. <laughs> so it's the heart attack. The heart attack. Clogger. Oh, the, the artery clogger. The heart attack sounds better. I don't know about the artery clogger because you have to spill. Put it on a shirt, people. Put it on a shirt. So, <laughs> all right. What word or phrase do you most overuse? I think it's just this. It's a sound, and it's like because ah! <laughs> I get super excited for my clients when their things go well with their wedding, or it's like a great photo, and yeah, it's more of like a squeak. <laughs> a squeak. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. All right. What is something that most people are obsessed with, but you just don't get? Cilantro. 
I'm not a hater of cilantro, but it's like, it's okay. It's just like any other herb. Cilantro. Okay. I always, when I answer this, I always say Wordle. I have no idea how to play that game, but a lot of people like to talk about Wordle. <laughs> yeah, people are super into Wordle. <laughs> I know, like, whatever. They're saying, and they're showing me, like, look, my Mrs. K is like, look, I got it on the first try. I'm like, so is it, what is it, the crossword? <laughs> I don't get it. I know how to play Wordle, but I don't, uh, I don't know, man. I don't need that stress in my life first thing in the morning. Yeah. And is it pe- people actually do that first thing in the morning is their Wordle puzzle? Yeah, it's usually like Wordle and a coffee. Wow. I mean, I still can't even figure out Sudoku properly, but uh, I'm a little bit old school. I can, I can get, I can get crosswords and word searches, but the minute you put Wordles and uh, Sudokus in front of me, and Sudokus, what are they thinking of the past now? I think so. Yeah, the only people I know that do Sudokus are my grandparents. Jesus Christ! I'm already, oh, I'm aging myself here. Nineties. <laughs> Look at that! I just met her today, and she's already just stabbing me right in the back right then and there. So, <laughs> excellent. Next question here. Would you rather go 30 days without your phone or an entire life without dessert? Phone for personal or phone for business? Keeping it open. Keeping it open. Uh, Yeah, I'd lose my phone for 30 days. You're deserty? You'd probably be awesome. Whenever we go on vacation and we don't have reception, like we'll go like camping way up north and it's the best. Yeah, I had a guest that said I was evil for asking this question because he's like Tony. He's like a digital marketer. So to, to, to oh take God. to take the phone away from them. Yeah. It's like a if big I have ref- to be at work, it would be hard without my phone. But if I can go for 30 days and like go on vacation, yeah, take the phone. I don't care. Look, you remember that whole Rogers outage thing that happened uh, not that long ago? And just for the listeners, this is mid-July almost late July, but was it like early July that it happened or like the second week where the Rogers Network, which is one of the biggest, Canada's one of the biggest networks in Canada, went down. So not just your cell phone went down, uh, you're also your internet as well went down. So yeah. for that 18 hours, apparently I remember the number, 18 hours, people were freaking out. I had to call it a day from work because I work from home. So it was one thing where I was like, oh, no internet. Oh, it's too bad. I'll just tether it using my, my cell phone. Nope. No. And then I took my actual work cell phone. I'll just tether it off of that. Also on the Rogers network. Oh. Done. Absolutely done. Nothing you can do about it. So, you know, that would be really hard. And the, the only thing that concerned me, though, was that the fact that you couldn't dial 911. I yeah. thought that's on like its own separate network that can never go down. Right. Because could you imagine what could have happened if that you know, this last one. Sure but yeah, so anyways, we're not going to talk about the dreaded that, that stuff now. <laughs> so when in doubt, people, our general advice is don't bundle your packages. <laughs> That's right. Get one, <laughs> get one for internet, get one provider. And for your yeah. cell phone, get another provider just in case. So, all right, last question here. What is your theme song and why? So when that song hits, Kat, you're walking down the street. That song hits. People are going to turn their heads. You're like, cat's coming. <laughs> oh, gosh. Like, is this song in my head or can the people hear it? Like, we're walking down, down the street to a song in my head? Just like you see in movies and TV shows. That song hits. I don't know if those people can hear it, but <laughs> what is your song and why? Gosh, that's so hard. I have really weird taste in music. Um... It could be Marilyn Manson for all I care, but, you know. All, anything by Alt-J. They're an alternative band from the UK, and they're, in my opinion, phenomenal. 
They're my favorite band. And when any of it comes up on shuffle on my Spotify, it's like, yeah, I'm here. Let's go. Like it's, it's my jams. Nice. Nice. You know, what's funny is that I remember growing, remember in the infomercial days where I think maybe this, oh my God, 30 years ago, where if you were watching TV, like actual TV cable, not on demand stuff, you might hit one of those, you know, time life music classics of songs from the fifties or sixties or seventies. I remember watching those things. I remember I was taking piano lessons with my sister. So when one of us was in the lesson, the other one was just watching TV. I remember hearing all those different songs, not knowing all the lyrics, obviously, but just knowing the chorus. And I'm actually instilling those oldies into my kids' music now. So when we're having dinner, we're playing different genres of different time frames. Of course, not classical stuff, but just something that... You know, we're listening to, and then I'll I'll start to sing while we're having dinner. My wife's like, "How do you know these songs?" I said, "I know the chorus. I don't know the whole song, and it's all because of time life music. But it's also to give an appreciation for my kids on some of the stuff because as great as some of the current stuff is, I find some of the older stuff a lot easier to sing for some reason. I find they're easier to pick up. You can sing them in the shower. You know, I can't go into the shower and sing. You know." What's that uh, Rihanna song? Work, 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 work. I, that, to me, that doesn't work for me. Right? So it's one of those things. So nice to hear. Okay. So any other general advice that you can provide, Kat, for the next entrepreneur that's coming up, whether it's in photography or just in anything? Um, I think not necessarily traditional education, but I think seeking out education or mentorship from people who have been there, done that, and been successful. I would say that's our biggest that has been the biggest changes we've seen in our business is when we've invested. And it's hard to do when you're just starting out because you don't have the income stream necessarily. Like you're like, oh my God, this is so much. Like, what do we do? But it pays for itself in, in time. Like, and it pays, it, it catapults you ahead of your peers who are trying to figure it out piece by piece who are starting out at the same time as you. So look to someone and really research their success or courses out there. Like there's a lot of, it's almost like how you said we're in the gig economy. I almost feel like we're getting into like the gig education, like little bits of education from. Gig, ed- gig education. I can't pronounce it properly. Gig education. Yeah. I was trying to add it together. Maybe you should be doing your due diligence before you invest in something. But if you can find something great, do it. That's not, you know what? Over and over. That's not be, that might be something you should maybe consider, Kat, maybe offering consulting service. Because or even putting a course on Udemy or one of those other places, because honestly, giving your experience, people will buy because I think not that people just want to set it. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to set it, forget it type of business where they just want it. They don't want to think too much, but at least someone like yourself who can at least educate them on different things, not just the photography, but just the business end, the marketing end, the customer service end that maybe that can help maybe that's something you should definitely consider and obviously put it out there you never know so (laughs) all right cat that is it i think we are done i think that was 1.5 billion questions answered so thank you very much for being on the show thanks for having me ken this was a blast i really appreciate it all right guys that was our episode with cat mcdonald from tcam photography as you can hear, it was a very fun conversation. My two takeaways from that particular podcast was, one, you can never have too much redundancies in place for your business. Now, in her case, she had six cameras that she would like to take with her. Now, I'm not saying you need six of everything for your business, but having something there, whether it's having cloud storage, hard storage somewhere, storage location, like a 
like a warehouse locker or sorry, one of those storage facilities there, like a warehouse uh, that you can store items in just as backups for whatever it is, whether it's your records, your application, something. It should be there. Nothing should be a sole source for everything that you contain and everything that you own for your business because you never know should something happen. And I think the second thing that I noticed as well is really, really providing that personal touch. Now, and I know we've talked about delegating and secured some of these other things, but you should never lose fact that even if you delegate, you, you're, you're still basically, especially in the beginning phases, you are your business. You are the billboard to your business, like we said. Like you, you're the owner. So clients will look to you. And if all you do is pass them off and never contact them again or never have that personal touch with them, they can easily just uh, forget their loyalty to your business. So really being transparent and really being there for your client, even if the, even if someone else on your team is managing it, is still very important. So those are my two takeaways from that episode. So, all right, guys, I had a great time. I enjoyed recording it. Like, I hope you enjoyed listening to it. And we'll see you on the next one.